first reading is from Micah 4, verse 1 to 4, the mountain of the Lord. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and peoples shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples, and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit, every man, under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Psalm 27, 1-5 The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh by adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that I will seek, that will I seek after, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Um, it was Douglas was just having problems with this microphone. It reminded me of yesterday. I'm the, the chaplain, uh, I've been involved in football chaplaincy for 21 years. First was still in Albion, and for the last 13 seasons or something like that with St. Johnson Football Club. And um, yesterday was remembrance, so you can imagine um, this scene. I, I walk out the tunnel with, the, the referees take us out the tunnel, uh, with the players, both teams, it was Motherwell we were playing yesterday, and uh, beside me is uh, three or four uh, people from the armed forces, all in, in their regalia. Also a chairman from our club and a representative of Motherwell Football Club. And we walk out onto the pitch. The players all line up in, in the handshakes or mobile, the, the big line in the centre circle facing the main stand. And we, the, the party, are in front with wreaths um, about 10 metres in front of them. And we're standing there, and there's four and a half thousand people in the stadium. And we're in the stadium, and we're standing there, and it's me now. And I know I've got TV cameras on me, I've got the radio, I've got the referee who is an absolute stickler for time. And I know that, that the time that I have got, and I begin and I pause. Chairman here, rep there, soldiers there, players behind me, everyone in front, and all the way around. People started to laugh. 
a few people in the crowd who obviously had a couple of tenants or two started to make me comments. Oh, your mic's not. Oh, all that sort of stuff. And before you know it, there was a, a ripple effect. And I just decided that. that and, and it was 10 seconds. Fairly like two hours. But it was 10 seconds. And as the noise just started, I just put the mic to my side and I went, this is a solemn occasion. And the place just went, vroom. <laughs> so Douglas, that was my experience yesterday. Uh, and um, so well done. I know what microphones can be like. Deuteronomy chapter 15, go. We're going to look at one verse in Deuteronomy chapter 15. If you don't know what that is, open up one of the Bibles about you, start at the left and then go right, and you'll get there very quickly, okay? It's going near the beginning of the Bible, and I'm only going to look at one verse. Deuteronomy chapter 15, and just keep that open there. Sorry, I've got a squeaky floor here. John Newton, who's an evangelical pastor of the 18th, 19th century. The guy who wrote Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. That John Newton. You can imagine him, the pictures we have are from stained glass windows. One of those wigs which were fashionable at the time, austere, clerical collar. That's the sort of pictures we have of him. And above his desk, behind him, above his desk, and only uh, where he served. These words from Deuteronomy, chapter 15, verse 15, were written. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Remember that you were once a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Why I think that is so incredible is this. Yes, he wrote, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And I believe that that is the most popular song of people who go to North Korea. Because in North Korea, they love karaoke. But you know in North Korea, it's one of the most controlled places ever. So evangelists undercover go there and go to karaoke uh, places. And the one song that they sing, Amazing Grace House, because all sorts of people have sang it, Elvis and Bing Crosby and you name it. And so that's the song they sing. And I've heard a story that one, uh, is very true, that someone who was from the, the secret police or whatever it is, who are chaperoning these foreigners coming into North Korea, so they actually say, see when we go to karaoke machine, can you do us a favour and no sing Amazing Grace? Everyone sings Amazing Grace because it's so powerful. But the power behind that is that John Newton was a slave trader. Lost his mum very early on. His dad took him on board. His dad was a military man, sailor. He was on the ships very early. But, and he went into the business of selling and having as property men and women and children for gain. And the long story is that he came to faith in Jesus Christ. He was a wretch of a man. That's where we get that song. He was an absolute wretch. People died on ships because of people that John Newton drowned, left for dead if the, the sailors saved themselves if they could, but left the cargo because they were just cargo. And it was for people like John Newton. And yet, here he is now, X amount of years later, as a man of the cloth, as a pastor, as a shepherd of the flock, 
transformed because he was saved because of what Jesus did. Even saved from the fact that he was a slave trader. And he would never forget it. So behind his desk, in his study, where he searched scripture to bring a word in season for his flock, he wrote the words, remember that you were once a slave in, e in the land of Egypt where you once belong. Or where, where land of Egypt before the Lord redeemed you. So today I just want to focus on that for 10 or 12 minutes or so, very quickly. I'm preaching to the converted, but I'm preaching to those who have an ear to listen and to, to work out and to hopefully put themselves in the position of John Newton and ask themselves, what's my life all about? Where am I going? What have I done? Am I a wretch? Am I unsavable? Surely God doesn't love me. Surely I, I don't need to be saved. Surely I'm an okay person. I'm speaking to all of them and above. My intention is just to try and put us into this verse. And apologize, I've not got a PowerPoint, but it's been a busy week. So what are we to remember? This day, the word you'll hear time and time and time again. What are we to remember from this verse? Today is a day where we pause intentionally. Some people never pause. I can't believe the years have gone by. The, years are, the days are going so fast. We get in a rhythm of life, and in our life, it's very busy. Some people never pause to, because to pause is to actually reflect, and some people find it brutal to reflect. But today... We pause to remember and give thanks, to be silent. And it is good to do that. But time and time and time again, God calls his people. And I'm thinking specifically of Israel, the Israelites. He calls them to remember. There's too many to list. I'm just hopefully going to give you a few wee headlines. And if you have knowledge of this, you'll fill in the blanks. And if you've got no knowledge of this, hopefully I can give you a broad brush. What did God call them to remember? Well, <clears throat> Exodus 12, 2, which again is in the Old Testament, God says to them this, this is the month for you, the first month, the first month of the year. Today is the month of Aviv. You are remembering. Observe the month of Aviv and celebrate the Passover of the Lord your God because in the month of Aviv, he brought you out of the land of Egypt by night. Aviv, which is actually a period of time at spring, is the beginning of the Jewish calendar. And it's now, it should be, seared into their conscience. Easter, Aviv, is the time when we as a nation, Israel as a nation, were brought out of slavery. So every time it's the beginning of the new year, we've got different traditions in our, our nation. But in the Jewish calendar, they recall in the first month of the year that they were saved from slavery in Egypt. Their identity was born in slavery. They were just a scattering of people, of brothers, but they came out a nation. They were born in bondage and they were released into a new land. And God said, therefore, the very beginning of your year, Aviv, remember. Don't forget that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, but I redeemed you and brought you out. It's the first thing. 
But remembrance was also to be a generational thing, as we do. We had many young people there. And, and actually coming up, John's son and daughter were asking me, do you do this every year? Why do you do it? They were asking me very innocent questions. And they will learn why we pause in this day to remember. And it was the exact same in Israel. Deuteronomy 6. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, the decrees, and the, law, the laws the Lord our God had commanded you? When they ask you, what is this all about, God? What's all this about, Dad? Why does God make us do these things? Why does God call us to do these things? God says this, tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. It was to become a conversation. It was to become a story passed from father to sons, from mother to daughters. Speak about it on the way. It should become the story of your family. We are here in this land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty, a land of peace and of borders. But it was not always the case. God redeemed us from the might of Egypt who were too strong for us. We could not stand up to Egypt, the superpower. But God redeemed us. So they were commanded, speak about it with your children. Tell them, remember, pass it down. And another wee third, and I'll finish on this one about the remembering, and there's dozens and dozens and dozens of times where God says remember about a specific event. But the third one is, and many of us know it because we were taught it in school, but the Ten Commandments, the law by which they were to govern their life and nation, started off in this way. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no gods before me. And all through Exodus and all through Deuteronomy, we see this one weighty and often repeated argument for obedience and faithfulness. Remember, you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. And right at the beginning of the commandments, it's there as well. So there's just three. Their calendar, remember. We can't forget. Conversation in families. Tell your sons. Tell your daughters. This is why we do this. God redeemed us. And the very tablets which Moses received from, from the Lord, which were with them as they journeyed in the tabernacle. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no gods before me. Therefore, for us, what has this got to do with us? Egypt and Pharaoh and, and, and Passover and, and Aviv, which were all 3,500 years ago, are give or take. What's this got to do with us modern, enlightened people, 2022, going into 2023, and peaceful Scotland or England or wherever else we may come from. What, what, is, what has this all got to do with us? What is God calling us to remember? A couple of things in particular. And again, I'm speaking to the converted and I'm speaking to those who this may be new to. Let's consider that we actually are in bondage. Let's consider that that isn't just a thing to do with chains. That was interesting that and actually write that Julie should pray for those soldiers who today struggle with PTSD, whatever the phrase is. 
men and women who in their mind are just bound by what happened to them. It shapes them. It's a depression that comes over them. It completely and utterly controls their day. It's a bondage. It's a true bondage. And there's lots of parallels in our life. For Israel, it was the superpower, which at that time was Egypt. For us, there's so many. Egypt couldn't rise up against, uh, sorry, Israel couldn't rise up against Egypt. They couldn't enact an insurrection. They were farmers. There were people who looked after herds of, of cattle and grew things and, and they looked after homes. They were builders of things, but, but they weren't soldiers. And Pharaoh had an incredible army. And today that, that bondage may not come as, as a soldier, but may come as a depression, may come as a memory, may come as an act that has been done against us, may come as a regret that we've tried to bury. It will come in all sorts of ways, but it is bondage nevertheless. Some people try self-help, some people do exercise, some people do all sorts of good things, wellness and whole being. But there's a deeper bondage, and the Bible calls that sin. The Bible calls it that tiny word that has become so unpopular and so religious. But it's a bondage. And as Israel couldn't stand up, couldn't cause an insurrection against Pharaoh and Egypt, neither can we stand up against that rebellion which the Bible calls sin. There's a story of a young apprentice engineer no, apprentice plumber, sorry. He's at the Niagara Falls and it's his last test before he gets his papers. And his journeyman turns to him as he's looking at Niagara Falls and says to him, right, to get your papers, I want you to do something about that. And he's a plumber. And he's seen all this incredible amount of water flooding down over the falls. And the young apprentice, desperate for his papers, desperate to do something to earn the right to be called a plumber, said, yeah, I can fix that. Silly. The truth is, we can't, we can't pull our socks up. We can't get into a new rhythm. We can't go to a foreign country. We can't change our job to deal with this little thing called rebellion and sin. It has power over us and we are powerless to stop it. And apart, I believe as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, apart from divine intervention, we cannot break free of that chain. We are powerless to do anything about it. We can't be good. We can't pull up our, 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 our socks. None of that. Truth be told, if we were able to do a prison break and free ourselves from this thing called bondage today, Jesus would never have had to have descended from glory to be as we are, and live our life yet without sin, go to the cross at Calvary, hang on there, and I'm so glad we've got a physical cross in our building, hang on that, and then somehow, 2,000 years later, I can call on that, repent, and call on Jesus and be saved, and be released from that bondage, that's the story of the Bible, that's the story of the good news, very briefly, and many people in here have called on that,
and can talk about that. Without Jesus, we're condemned. Without Jesus, we're constantly in slavery. But it does not have to be that way. Our enemy is bent on our destruction. Our enemy will not let us go. Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh replied, I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And God intervened. And God brought Israel out of bondage into a land of freedom. And that offer is true today through Jesus. So that's where we fit into that story of bondage. And the second thing briefly is this. Let's con consider this theme of redemption. The Lord your God will redeem you. Here again, there's parallels between us and between Israel. And when I say us, I'm speaking specifically to people who would consider themselves as disciples of Jesus Christ. Not because they're great, not because they've put up their socks or any of that, because they've fallen on their knees with the weight of that bondage and ask God, free me for this. I know I'm a sinner. Free me from this. And in that moment of truth, in that moment of revelation, God has been true to his word and has redeemed. Israel and Egypt was an unransomed nation. And God claimed of Israel that the firstborn... It's written in Exodus 13, The Lord says to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The firstborn offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. And that portion has been his claim from the first. The law afterwards carried out by the settling, setting apart of the Levitical tribes, the priests, they were set apart to take the place of the firstborn. God says, I want the firstborn, and therefore give me a, a tribe of priests, they are my firstborn. But Israel and Egypt had never set apart its firstborn at all, and was therefore an unredeemed people. How was that all indebtedness to be made up? The nation must be redeemed by a price. And that price was set forth by the symbol of a lamb which was killed, roasted and eaten while the blood was smeared upon the lintel and the two sides of the posts. And if you know your story about Pharaoh, if you've went to Joseph and you've seen all of that, you know that they were redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And the angel of death passed by them and their firstborn, the claim that God had put on them, was spared. God had redeemed them by that lamb. If Jesus is a Lord and Saviour and you know his forgiveness and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, you and I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God. So don't forget this, you were slaves. And I may be actually talking to some people who are still slaves. I do not know, I do not pass judgment on that. The old language is you were a bondsman. But Jesus has redeemed through the sacrifice on the cross at Calvary. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, outrageous grace, I say again. The price by which you and I can be free. He counted it in a wondrous coinage minted from his own heart. The ransom is paid 
the jubilee trumpet proclaims that you are now delivered from the bondage and you're unburdened through the blood of Jesus. But first of all, you have to reflect, to consider, to find your place in the story. Does this pertain to me? Or do I not know of this redemption? Are you weighed by bondage that no one else can see, but in your quiet moments you know? The regrets, the grief, the sin you have committed, the sins that others have committed upon yourself, and you think you're going to carry them until your deathbed. Remember that the offer of redemption was at a great price. The Lord says, I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for you. So therefore, so what? I give you, many have I listed down, one, two, three, four, very briefly. Be humble. Remember that the, you were once a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Don't necessarily glorify your former life, but remember, you didn't free yourself. There's nothing that you could do. And there's something at times that you want to go back to the old country, want to go back to Egypt, want to go back to the place we knew where we were all about. But the Lord has called you out of that. He redeemed you at a cost. So as you go about your life as peacemakers, hopefully in the community, be humble. Remember where you were called from. Be grateful. Simply don't take your freedom for, for, for granted. God did not call us to be Christians. God called us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. You'll be known as my disciples if you obey everything that I command. And so in gratefulness, we serve others. I do not want to be known as a Christian with a long face. Where is the joy? Where is the happiness? Have we forgotten the ecstasy of finding, of, of feeling that I don't need to carry this burden anymore? Where's the joy of that? Don't be sidetracked with side issues. Be grateful. Remember and be thankful to God that you were once lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you see because of Jesus. Third, be patient. Life sucks. And I, I do not apologize in, in saying that. Many of us struggle. Many of our spirits are cast down. Depression afflicts us. But thank the Lord that you're no longer a slave. Praise God that even though you feel the weight of the world and you can't see a way through, praise God that you don't need to go back to the former ways. And be hopeful, the last one. If God has done this for you so far, what next? You've not finished the struggle. You've not been called into his presence. The race is not complete. We're encouraged to press on to take hold for that of which God has called us to. You are a free person. So therefore, who knows what God is going to do next? If you will allow him. Who knows what God has planned for you if you're willing to just go with that? I do not want to be the same Davy Barry in 30 years' time if I get to the age of 80. I want to have an afterglow. And that afterglow has got nothing to do with me except that I've just been on my knees. It's an afterglow 
of the spirit of God's work in my life. I am hopeful for that. To have my grandchildren and great-grandchildren on my knees and to tell them stories of the Lord. So that in the hope that my whole family will be united in God's kingdom for all eternity. That is my hope. So be hopeful. If you struggle, be thankful and do not forget. And I end with that. With the scripture that I started off at the beginning. That's on the desk behind a former slave trader who met Jesus and was called into a ministry of saving souls. Remember that you were once a slave in the land of Egypt, but the Lord your God redeemed you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.